you know, there's this whole notion in like, went viral overnight. Like, yeah, I went to sleep and then in the morning I was an internet celebrity. And I think that that narrative is overly simplified, you know, talking to all of these different creators. There's kind of this long, quiet, private road of experimentation, trial, error, public embarrassment, etc. that happens before that. I was an overnight sensation moment. On this episode of the Creator Community, we'll meet Erica Berry, Manager of Client Strategy and Analytics at Blisspoint Media and passionate digital content creator. We'll follow Erica's journey of learning what it takes to be successful creating content today through research and her own practice of creation. We'll hear her advice as well as the many experts she interviewed to create a roadmap for developing a successful digital and social media marketing strategy. We'll also hear about Erica's recent breakthrough experimenting with some unique new content creation she's posted and how it's landed her an advertising deal with a luxury goods company. Erica's journey of learning, iteration, and creation has led her to publishing her new book, Don't Wait, Create. Check out the show. Welcome to the second season of the Creator Community. This is the brand new podcast series from book publisher New Degree Press or NDP. I'm your host, John Saunders, founder of Ford Advisory Solutions. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, 2021, NDP will cross over 1,000 published authors. In this show, we get to know the authors in their books, as well as give you a behind-the-scenes look at their journey. We'll find out what it takes to bring a book from an idea to actually being published and available wherever you buy books online. It's no easy task, but it's certainly attainable. Today, I have with me Erica Berry, author of Don't Wait, Create how to be a content creator in the new digital revolution. Erica is a media strategist, entertainment industry professional, writer, and digital content creator. She studied economics and media studies at Pomona College, where she discovered her passion for media, entrepreneurship, and representation. Growing up in the internet generation, Erica watched digital media platforms like YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok transform the entertainment industry and become a way for talented creators to find their audience and tell their story. Thus she decided to write her inspirational book, Don't Wait, Create. When Erica isn't creating, she, you can find her hiking Runyon Canyon, experiment, experimenting with new recipes, and catching up on the latest TikTok trends. Erica's book will be available this summer, September 2021, and will be available at that time wherever you buy books online. Erica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, John. Excited to talk Don't Wait, Create today. Love it. What a fun background you have. You've got such a diverse set of interests, but can we talk a little bit more about your background, you know, your career journey? How did you navigate to where you are today? Totally. Um, so definitely been a little bit all over the map, but the common thread through everything that I've enjoyed doing throughout my career and throughout my life is I've always had this big do-it-yourself DIY attitude and the existence of the internet just makes it so much easier to do this. And so I'm fascinated with the intersection of technology and media, which is changing every single day. I work at Bliss Point Media in Los Angeles, which is a company that is the largest purchaser of streaming media in the U.S. And so we sit right at the intersection of technology and media. And we use machine learning to help clients figure out and untangle new platforms like Disney Plus and podcasts and YouTube and all of these mysterious new frontiers in the entertainment industry. Um, and it's just a super exciting time to be working in media, both 
you know, in my professional life and in my outside of professional life, because things are just changing so rapidly. And that's something that I explore in my book, Don't Wait, Create. I love that. And it sounds like, you know, there's some crossover between your career and your book. Is that a fair statement? Totally. Yeah. I mean, the world of content creation and streaming, I mean, basically just digital media has transformed the entire entertainment industry as we know it. And I think this is just the beginning. I mean, 50 years ago, you had TV and it was whatever it was being like pumped through those however many channels you had access to. And everyone sort of had this like one cultural thread and like one homogenous view of media. And now that could be no farther from the truth. I mean, there's a million different things. If we're just talking about TV, I mean, like with cable and streaming and all of these things, there is the show for everyone. Like if you want to watch like taxidermy reality show that exists, um, it's not like, you know, everyone's watching Leave it to Beaver anymore. Um, and that's just in TV, not even touching like YouTube and live streaming and all of these different digital entertainment options that are competing for our limited hours in the day. And so definitely a crossover between my job and um, my book. Um, definitely in my job, we focus on, you know, streaming and technology in the TV space specifically. And there's obviously a lot more going on um, outside of that, but it's super cool. I love this idea you're you're highlighting here, which is there's so many places to get media from. And I remember visiting Elvis's house, Graceland in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, if I recall correctly. And in his ba- have you ever been to his house? I've never been there, no. In his basement, he has this really, you know, it's probably, you know, 50s tricked out basement, but he's got three TV screens. And the reason he has three is so he could watch every channel, ABC, yep. NBC, CBS. And, you know, now he you watch- need like a million bigger basement. <laughs> I, I always think about that in this sort of day and age when my own children are like, what's a commercial? You know, they don't even know anymore because uh, it's just everything streamed. And, you know, these folks have such influence now. You've got 100 million followers of some of these folks on YouTube, Instagram, what have you, and they can direct influence. So, you know, given that, you know, what, what do you think you learned about that or learned further more deeply as you researched your book? Yeah, I mean, the whole idea of influence is so interesting. I mean, I think one, we're at this new dawn of the the micro celebrity, like you think back to early 2000s, it was like, Brad and Angelina and like Britney Spears and like all this stuff, there's kind of this like main current of celebrity culture. And I think that's really shifted with the rise of the content creator and the influencer, you know, there's all of this kind of like breakdown of celebrity culture. But I also think that idea of influence and how it's, you know, attainable to anyone in in reality is fascinating. I mean, talking to some of the creators who I interviewed who have millions and millions of followers, they're like, not only do I get recognized on the street in LA a decent amount, but when I, when I try to wrap my head around the number of people who are watching my videos and thinking of like the fraction of those people in terms of like, even just the U S population, it's, it's insane. It's like, okay, one in five people in the US has has seen my face. And, you know, I don't necessarily need to live in New York or LA. I'm not like an, an actor or a movie star, or like a pop star, or like anything like that. But it's like this really powerful influence that is just readily available. And I mean, something that I really emphasize in my book is the idea that 99% of us, like, don't quote me on that <laughs> statistic, but like most of us are content creators in some 
way, shape, or form. I mean, the average American has over seven different social media accounts. And if you've ever retweeted something or posted a picture of your lunch on Instagram, you've created content. But just really, you know, taking that to the next level and realizing, you know, the power, responsibility, and like cultural influence you can have with these three platforms is is insane. And that's something we dive deep into and don't wait create. I love that. I mean, technology has really democratized the chance for anybody to be well-known and monetize themselves, right? I mean- Totally. And I I think, yeah, the whole like democratization is a really interesting topic too, which I didn't have the opportunity to explore in super depth in my book, but it's something I'm really interested in. You know, on the one hand, there was this um, statement from somebody who worked at TikTok who said that every single video has the same chance to go viral. It's shown to a random pool of 100 viewers and just based on view time, engagement, interaction, it either, you know, jumps up in the algorithm or, you know, flops and goes down. And that's something I've like kept track of on my own content and all of the creators that I talk to, like, you know, look at these really specifically, but it's, you know, you don't need to know anyone. It's like, you know, just kind of a random sample. That being said, no one really knows how these algorithms are programmed or how they work. And there has been a lot of buzz and critique about are there, you know, inherent biases being either intentionally or unintentionally programmed into these algorithms on Instagram and TikTok. And that's a whole nother can of worms. But I think, you know, definitely it's more democratized than ever before. Um, and hopefully we'll only keep improving as like these conversations happen. Right. You can be anyone and anywhere. And if you come up with something, you know, really interesting that gets people's attention. Uh, I remember when my kids first showed me the young woman in Connecticut, Carmelo DeMeo, DeMeo I think. Charlie DeMilio. Char- thank you. Thank- yeah. There it is. And they're like 110 million followers, 17 or 18 years old or something. Mm-hmm. It's doing ads for Invisalign. I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. And then you think about this idea as a parent, like, all right, now my 17 year old kid is on the internet. Like that was a very fascinating concept to me. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, no, it is. And it's so interesting. I mean, thinking about the D'Amelio family specifically, I mean, that was a whole phenomenon. It's, you know, what made this, you know, kid dancing in her room blow up and also like the interest that traditional mainstream media had in this whole phenomenon that didn't exist before is is super interesting too. I mean, now the like D'Amelio family reality show is on Hulu. So these, you know, these streaming platforms are going back and like trying to figure out why this is working on TikTok and vice versa. So it's just, it's exploded and it's never going to go back. Sorry for uh, slaughtering their name so severely. I was in the ballpark. Uh, You know, it's fascinating this crossover thing you mentioned uh, not long ago, uh, my family, my boys and I found Mark Rober, who does these kind of fun engineering videos, which are mm-hmm. really interesting to me. And he did a fundraiser. His uh, uh, kid has particular health issues and they did a fundraiser. And speaking of this crossover between sort of old and new media with Jimmy, uh, uh, oh my gosh, Jimmy Kimmel. And they raised like $4 million. And it was fascinating to see. And they talked about it. Like, here's a crossover between, you know, here's a YouTube star and a guy in, you know, traditional media and they were able to create this massive synergy. I thought that was a pretty brilliant marketing uh, strategy. Totally. And even just, I mean, that's something I talk about in like the early stages of my book. So I cover both, you know, how to leverage the power of social media if you're interested in, you know, dipping your toe in the water of content creation yourself, but also just like, how did we get here? And I think the 
synergies between late night TV specifically, um, like, you know, Jimmy Kimmel and like all of those shows and like Saturday Night Live and digital media is really, really interesting. I mean, looking back at like SNL digital shorts, that was never heard of before. Um, like Lonely Island with like Andy Samberg, they started that whole thing. And now, I mean, it's like the YouTube views on little late night clips from like Jimmy Kimmel and Conan or like little late night clips from like SNL sketches. People watch those more than the actual late night show. And like, that's what is monetized instead of like, you know, tuning in at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night. And so, yeah, it's really I found it fascinating. Is, you might know Trevor Noah is uh, uh, taking sort of some time off to read tool the show uh, coming out of COVID. And I think he's done a brilliant job of putting, like creating these sort of mini segments to put out across mm-hmm. Instagram and other platforms to sort of stay relevant. So people don't forget about him while he's gone. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, so a lot of mindset shifts here that I'm sort of hearing for all of us that we have to sort of adapt and evolve in this new world. I think we always are, but this, te- this version, this technology is making change. It seems like it's accelerating uh, the pace of change. So what are some of the mindset shifts that have happened for you after talking to so many of these creators? And maybe you could give us a, a nugget from one of these interesting folks you talked to. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, there's this whole notion in like went viral overnight. Like, yeah, I went to sleep. And then in the morning I was an internet celebrity. And I think that that narrative is overly simplified. You know, talking to all of these different creators, there's kind of this long, quiet, private road of experimentation <laughs> trial, error, public embarrassment, et cetera, that happens before that. I was an overnight sensation moment. Um, and I think that the narrative kind of focuses on that because it is so big and so exciting to you know go to bed and then wake up and have a, a million views on something that you made. But I think that that was a theme that I saw across all of the interviews that I conducted is you know there was a lot of trial and error. Um, for example, Victoria Paris, she's a super popular TikTok creator on, um, she does kind of lifestyle content and she really embodies this whole idea. So she started, you know, just doing fashion and outfit videos um, to actually just like sell her clothes online. Um, and then she was like, I want to see if I can you know, blow up on this platform. So she was posting like 30 different videos a day. Um, and there was this period of time where people are like, why is this girl all over my, my page? And she was, you know, very deliberate about it, seeing, okay, what worked, what didn't, if it didn't work, she would delete it. If it worked, she would replicate it. And just kind of this rinse repeat process. And, you know, I think people are like, oh, she blew up overnight. It's like, no, this wasn't overnight. This was like a very intentional, long process and, and, you know, finding, finding a niche and, and really kind of just seeing how the audience responds to content because I mean, now it's so cheap and simple to experiment. You know, we're not making a blockbuster movie here. Uh, you know, you can just shoot it on your phone for, for free and there's really no downside in, in experimenting. And I think that's like the biggest takeaway. It can be really easy to, you know, sit there and wait for lightning to strike and the perfect idea to come to you and for that to, you know, catapult you to internet success. But in reality, that doesn't happen. It's just a long road of trial and error and seeing what sticks. And I mean, the real message is like, don't wait, just create something, put it out there and see what happens. You know, I've, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, it's, that story is such an example, metaphor for your, your book and the message that I'm getting a sense of. And it's funny, I forget who it was. Somebody recently told me that they had, they made a YouTube video and it got, you know, 
hundreds of thousands of years, which you know might have been unusual for that person. And I don't think they were being necessarily, you know, they weren't sort of bragging about it. They just it came up in a conversation. And so I went and looked at their YouTube page. And sure enough, they had, I don't know, 200 and something videos. And plenty of them had seven views, you know, this kind of thing. And one of them finally hit and, you know, mm-hmm. had, you know, hundreds of thousands of views. And that was sort of a big one for that person. It was kind of fascinating. But I think, again, people, as with many things in life, right, you see someone successful and you weren't there with them at midnight, all these nights, trying to get all these things worked out and making these videos, and editing, doing all these things. So that's a great message, I think, to get out there uh, uh, for folks. So let's maybe dig into uh, this, you know, the importance of content creation in this day and age. We touched on it earlier, but maybe we could talk more deeply about that in terms of your landscape, maybe before the book and as, as it's evolved throughout the research and writing. Yeah, I think something I'm super passionate about, people think of it, you know, when I I can talk endlessly about, you know, influencer culture and content creation. And I think that there's kind of this still like discounting of these mediums in the public opinion. People are like, oh, you're just doing a little like TikTok dance or, you know, that medium. I took a really interesting class in college, which was about, you know, television theory. And there was this whole rhetoric of television being like the lesser medium than like film and cinema. And now I think there's this whole rhetoric, you know, TVs become so sophisticated and, you know, what have you. Now there's this whole rhetoric of like, oh, TikTok and short form content is like kind of a a lesser medium than television and then film and cinema, et cetera. But I think that, you know, when you peel back the layers, like content creation and these like silly little TikTok dances and stuff really is like the forefront of pop culture, of business, and arguably like public policy too right now. And I can elaborate on that. So one I mean, pop culture, as I mentioned, people like Charlie D'Amelio, Addison Rae, like these big, you know, 17, 18 year old content creators. Those are the celebrities that people really care about now. Also, the music industry. If you look at the U.S. top 100 hits, they're essentially all viral TikTok songs. And so TikTok has completely transformed, you know, celebrity gossip culture and also like the music industry and just kind of like pop culture as a whole. Um, also, like business, a, a super, you know, random example that's just top of mind is a big thing on TikTok has been Alabama sorority rush TikTok that has like blown up and has been on everybody's for you page for who knows why, but it's you know all these girls in Alabama showing off their outfits and this jewelry brand Kendra Scott, which has been you know featured in a bunch of these videos, has really capitalized on this attention by posting their own TikToks and the brand reported a huge increase in web traffic and sales and revenue just based on this, you know, seemingly random weird phenomenon of Alabama rush talk. And then, you know, lastly, from just kind of like a public opinion, and I have a whole chapter about, you know, using content creation for social change, but um, in recent news, the White House has actually teamed up with TikTok stars and influencers to, and also some states specifically are paying local micro-influencers to create this whole influencer army to get the, you know, get vaccinated message out um, and put out like pro-vaccine campaigns um, to like, you know, fight all of the fake news going on in, in that sphere. And so, you know, it may look like just, you know, silly little dances that like, my parents like don't understand at all, but it really has this like deep influence and like real impact on, you know, companies' bottom lines and, you know, who's getting vaccinated, who's not, and, you know, what we are listening to and what we care about as a society. 
So there's just this enormous, so the, you know, we talked earlier about the influencers that are sort of promoting themselves and whatever products they're selling, but right. The social cause is a whole nother element. I didn't realize mm-hmm. the White House was teaming up. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah. You know, with this Alabama story, you made me think of if I'm a company trying to market something, boy, did you get a chance to dig into how, how do you become this first mover? Because boy, they had to move fast to get that done. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was an interesting kind of like what came first, the the chicken or the egg. And I think that was kind of this organic phenomenon, like all of these sorority girls in Alabama where Kendra Scott jewelry, and then they were like, whoa, this is good messaging. Now let's like jump on that train. But it definitely happens the reverse way too. I mean, there's a lot of brands that really heavily rely on, you know, influencer marketing to get their names out there. You know, there's brands that I can think of that are you know, in the public eye and I've purchased things from because, you know, I've seen 10 different influencers wear them or I see it all over social media. And, you know, it's not a name brand like Victoria's Secret or Target or, you know, whatever it is, but it kind of gets on the map just because they're sending a bunch of product to people who have these audiences. And and that's, I mean, that's the main way that content creators make their living these days is it's not from you know, the creator fund or the YouTube, you know, ad revenue or anything. It's really from brands realizing like the value of these audiences that these people hold and, and how much like the audience places value on that creator's opinion. And that's like super monetizable. And I honestly think it's just the beginning there. In the last week, maybe two, I was talking to my 11 year old son who watches all these different YouTubers, which, you know, that's a job now I'm understanding. Mm -hmm. And he said, I know that this is a fact. It was one of these sort of urban legends, I'll call it on the internet. And he said, I know it's a fact. He said, two YouTubers talked about it. So, I mean, I mean, talk about influencing. They're like shaping the thoughts of like young minds today with whatever it is totally. they're talking about. And I had to talk to him a bit about, you know, well, we can't believe everything we hear, right? And this kind of thing. But it was, fa- I mean, he was completely convinced that because two YouTubers said this, it was 100% sure. fact. And that was a pretty big eye-opening moment for me. Um, you know, we've talked about sort of all the positives and, and all the things that are happening great out there. Maybe we could look at the other side about, of, of this, you know, in, in your research and writing your book, you know, what have you seen as some of the key difficulties for people that are trying to get out of the gate and sort of get this thing started that haven't found that home run yet? You know, what, what are some of those issues you've seen? Totally. I mean, I think a big thing is just like the putting yourself out that there is hard. Like you need to trudge that long road of experimentation, you need to put yourself out there, things are going to flop and and you're not getting that approval that you'd get if you're used to the kind of the traditional entertainment systems. Like for example, if you're an actor by trade, you audition for a role and then you get selected. Like that feels so good. It's like, okay, they they like me, they want me and this is going to go well and I have this like safety net of of approval from other people. But if you're creating content yourself, um you don't have that approval from others. You need to find that confidence and approval within. And and often it will go poorly. And and there's different factors that definitely don't help. I mean, the influx of internet hate and cyberbullying and all of these things that you need to deal with in that, I think, really deter people. But one big thing that I encourage in my book is just committing to a time frame, being like, I'm going to commit to this type of content creation, which I know makes me happy for three months. And I can pivot my strategy. I can pivot like the types of videos I'm going to be making, but I'm just not going to give up for those three months. And it's, it's hard to stick to with like 
the negativity and kind of the unpredictableness of audiences and the algorithm. But I think that that's like the biggest successes are the people who just stuck with it and were kind of resourceful and scrappy about it. But it's totally easier said than done because it is just such a such a vulnerable thing to do. Yeah, you're putting yourself out there. Anybody can see it and anyone can comment on it, right? Or, or... Comment anonymously too, yeah. It's That's, uh, it's, you know, definitely a high level of vulnerability, but I appreciate this theme you keep coming back to, which I think has been around forever, which is these overnight successes never are the case. They've been, you know, working away at it, iterating, trying to find out what works, as you said with this um, one moment, I think Paris, uh, and trying to find something that works and, and being strategic about it, which it sounds mm-hmm. like many of these folks have been. Um, you know, you also talked a little bit in, in the book about, you know, cultivating this creator's mindset. You know, how do you, how do you think if, if you're trying to help somebody do that, how, how do you get them into that mindset? Totally. I think there's, there's two things. One book that I highly recommend is The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Um, it's a, a great book. It's been around for ages. I've read it many times and, and the, you know, big, there's a lot of concepts in that book, but a big takeaway is you know, kind of eschewing this idea of perfection and just creating for the act of creating and just making that a habit. And I think something that really helps with that is waiting, you know, if you want to, especially if someone wants to make a career out of content creation, you can't wait for inspiration to strike. You're not going to be inspired like 99% of your life. At least that's not my personal experience. And so I make sure to schedule creative time into my life daily. I have this little timer cube, which I use religiously. And basically you just flip it, you know, it can be 15 minutes, you can do an hour if you're feeling ambitious, but I just, you know, commit to, okay, for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to, you know, film videos. Or for the next 20 minutes, I mean, writing this whole book, this was critical because looking at a blank page is horrifying. Um, But I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna 15 minutes, hand to the keyboard, I'm just gonna write it. If I hate all of it, I don't need to, you know, save it. I can change it later. And same with creation. If I like make a bunch of videos and I hate them all, I don't have to post them, but it's just kind of getting into getting used to and desensitized to the act of creation is, is so helpful and so critical to have that creator's mindset. Um, and then it just kind of builds that momentum behind you to keep going. If I'm hearing the overall message here and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm hearing something around goal setting, like having a goal, having a vision, and then just not being afraid to try and getting outside of this perfectionist mindset where if I don't get it exactly right, yeah. I can't put it out there, right? And just that lack of judgment, especially in this like new world of internet content is so important because you just don't know what's going to resonate with audiences. And there's really this new trend towards people really wanting that like imperfect, raw, real content. You know, you think back to like Instagram in 2010, it was all of these super manicured pictures of like, little macaron cookies and a beach and like this perfect lifestyle. People don't like that anymore. People want to see something like real kind of controversial and authentic. And you just don't know. I mean, a big example is, um, this is TikTok creator 420 dogface 208. And he made this super viral video of him skateboarding, drinking ocean spray cranberry juice um, to the song Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. Took him probably 15 seconds. Like, that's an exaggeration of how long this took for him to film. Dreams went back on the charts, got a response from Mick Fleetwood, had a 2,000% increase in streams of Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. He got 16 plus million TikTok views. 
Um, he made over $10,000 in donations from fans um, and, you know, created this amazing advertisement for Ocean Spray. So don't quote me on this, but I think he has like free Ocean Spray juice for life now. And you know, he could have easily just been like, this is a stupid video. I'm also like boarding on the highway. I shouldn't post this, but he just posted it. And like, it really changed his life. And I mean, that's something in my own experience too, like posting content online. It's really fascinating what sticks with people. I mean, there's videos that I've spent like an hour editing and then it gets like a thousand views. And then there's other videos like um, I, you know, this is actually the, the least effort possible. I make these outfit videos with my security camera. So it literally films itself when I walk past it. And I had the idea one day, I was like, okay, what if I just like edit these together and post it to like a popular song, like immediately, like a million views in a night and counting. And, you know, I kept kind of leaning into that, creating that. I've worked with brands to like create more of these. And, you know, if I had just been like, oh, this is stupid. Like it's security camera footage of myself, like walking in and out of my apartment, you know, would never have like opened my eyes to that opportunity. And so I think that's something too. It's like people really want something real and and different and just you really never know what people are going to resonate with it, it almost kind of reminds me of art history and how we went from you know sort of this uh uh, uh you know very real pictures where they're almost trying to make a portrait a, a photograph mm -hmm. of someone into this impressionistic art and this you know sort of cycles back and forth oh, a, little totally. bit, a little bit like that story is there a luxury handbag a sponsorship partnership you'd like to announce is that what i'm hearing from this uh security video story Oh yeah. Um, so I can't, I can't talk about it fully yet. Um, but it has been super cool. I mean, just since making this content have really like gotten the interest and attention of a lot of different brands and like see them seeing the value of these videos that I initially thought were, you know, kind of stupid is real. I'm like, this has real business viability and obviously like much larger creators and like the fashion and beauty spaces like make insane money, you know, talking about brands and featuring products. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's a whole industry now. And it's something that I think all brands are really like trying to figure out as fast as possible. That's incredible. So the, the, the sort of most random video that you put together has created some of the most success for you out there. If, if it's yeah. random and odd pictures, I think I need to change my strategy and go to all most of the pictures on my phone and start putting those up. Yeah, don't, don't wait, create, John. I, I appreciate that. Uh, so, you know, thinking about this journey and, and, you know, what has been, would you say, uh, the writing journey going from, you know, idea to publish book, what do you think has been an unexpected positive for you going through this experience? Yeah, I mean, it's such a different medium than like regular content creation. I mean, a book is content, like the, the word content with a capital C is such a broad term. And in a way, writing a book is a, a really slow, tedious form of content creation. And I think something that I really applied and challenged myself to that that worked in the book journey is all of the concepts that I wanted to communicate for aspiring content creators. And so just, you know, that committing to writing my word count of the day, even if it was garbage and just, you know, hitting save and, and moving on. And then, you know, really thinking about, I mean, another important thing when creating content is like thinking about the audience, not just yourself as the creator. And so, you know, when a video does well, thinking about why, like, why is this useful? Why is this resonating? Why is this working? And that's something I really tried to keep in mind with my book as well. I mean, as you can see, I can talk for 
hours nonstop about what I think is interesting in the in the new world of creation, media, and technology. But I know that not everyone is as interested in those things as I am. And so really thinking about the the reader and what they need and what they'd want to know and in what order was like a really helpful way to do that. And then also kind of engaging with my audience, you know, obviously I couldn't have a ton of people reading my book in advance, but, um, you know, creating polls on my Instagram to kind of see what topics people were most interested in using that audience as like a proxy for my audience for my book. And then also getting opinions from different industry experts at different stages in the writing process just kept things accountable. Because I think both when when writing a book and creating content, you have to remember, you know, you're not creating in a vacuum. It's, it's really for, it's like a two-way conversation with other people and just keeping those people in mind is really important. I really appreciate this parallel you've drawn between, you know, new age content, which can be created quite quickly and digitally. And now it doesn't get more old school than writing a book, right? Like yeah. page after page after page, just cranking it out. And this, but the common thread there is one iterating, creating, and focusing on the audience. You know, how can I serve my audience? How can I appeal to them, educate them, surprise them, delight them, whatever it might be? That's that's really awesome. Fascinating that you took sort of the polar opposites of creation, like a book versus like a you know Instagram video, if you will, and found commonality between them. And the focus being, let's let's make our audience happy. I, I love that. Thinking about the book as a whole, the longer story arc, you know, what would you say would be the key message or lesson if someone's going to read your book, Erica, what might they take away? I mean, the main lesson is honestly, don't wait, create. And that means many things. I mean, it's in the simple form, you know, don't wait for perfection before putting something out there. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. Also, you know, don't wait, create as kind of the, the larger message. I mean, a thread that I've heard from a lot of creators is, you know, the YouTube train that was big, like five, 10 years ago, and people who were early on the YouTube train, now make millions of dollars creating YouTube content. But now it's like a little harder to break into that platform. But then TikTok created this whole new frontier for creators. And so many people have launched careers and literally, you know, less than a year ago from the new demand and market for media that TikTok created. But now, you know, as the years goes on and as time goes on, it's going to be harder and harder to break into that market. And just, you know, based on what we've seen with the evolution of media from like three channels to now, like there's going to be something new. There's going to be something fresh that happens, you know, sometime in the next few years and not waiting and like jumping on that train. If you are someone who's passionate about content creation and making a career out of it is is, is critical to be kind of one of the early, early adopters before the market becomes saturated. And so I think that there's, there's many layers that that message of not waiting, creating, and just putting yourself out there applies to um, in, in this world, especially. Got to be ready for a little bit of disappointment, but get out there, create, focus on your audience and work it till you figure out something that works for you and your audience. Uh, what a brilliant message. And I think that it's, it's universal in many ways, particularly in this universe where this digital universe where things are moving at the speed of light. Mm-hmm. Fantastic stories, uh, Erica. Thank you for sharing so much. If people want to learn more about you and your book, where, where can they go? Of course. Um, they can find me at my website, www.ericaberry.com, E-R-I-C-A-B-A-R-R-Y, or I'm on both Instagram and Twitter at Ericaberry, E-R-I-B-A-R-R-Y. That's fantastic. One quick quote I saw, a praise quote for your book I thought might be nice to share 
uh, from Max Levin. Uh, we live in an era where a single person can build a larger platform than some of the world's biggest companies. Don't wait, create, shed lights on how the world is changing around us. I love that, founder of AMP Studios. Uh, Erica Berry, author of Don't Wait, Create, How to Be a Content Creator in the New Digital Revolution will be available early September, 2021, and will be available wherever you buy books online. Go out and get your copy. Erica, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I'm your host, John Saunders. Keep moving forward. Yeah.